Hello, internet friends, and welcome to episode number 180 of Final Boss TV. Today, Slayer Wow and Gabe Rating Show. One of the last times you may even see that intro, though, sort of preface that last week on the previous show. But again, my name is Adam K.K. Bay, and today is the sort of the sandwich. Today is the world second. And all right. So I'm sitting down with Limit here today to discuss the recent world second kill of Mythic Jana Proudmore. And yes, it is the world second because I, myself, only really enjoy and dabble in the spiciest of memes and all this whole like world third, by the way. That's like just bread dough. All right. Nothing there. You got to try harder than that. Okay. Not very good. However, if you missed any of the coverage from the entire race to world first, of course, I had the opportunity to be at the Red Bull Gaming Sphere in London casting the event. Then there's a little website right over there on Wowhead that has coverage all this stuff, as well as many, many, many other things, of course. So shout out to Wowhead for helping make this show today possible. So wowhead.com if you would want to get any of the inside juicy bits about the PTR testing just came up the other day. All bunch of MDI spring changes for time trials. If you weren't here in chat at the beginning of the show, there is a new world quest coming up in 8.15 where you're the crab and you're killing the turtles. So you can get all of your news about World of Warcraft over on Wowhead. So check them out. Links, of course, down below or just go to wowhead.com if you haven't before or you're living under a rock. Additionally, there is a very special group of people that I have to extend my appreciation to for helping support the show, the stream, and everything in between. And those would be my patrons over on my Patreon page that are helping to make sure that Final Boss TV remains a very artful project because if, if they weren't here, then this wouldn't be a thing. This is the February cards. Thank you very much to all of them. And if you would like more of the show... And I told the guys today that there'll be sort of an off-the-rails, very meme after show. Then you can go check out that because there are 50, we're up to 52 additional podcasts. We have the extra after show. We wrapped up with the Method guys last week, and it keeps going on and on and on. We got the end-of-year special with Brutal, Talies, and Evitel. There's like somewhere buried in here is two hours of Mike and I talking about Legion. I don't remember what that was. That was from last year, but it's actually funny. All the stuff we predicted was happening uh, way back then. So go check that out if you want to support what I do here and get some more of the show. But today, I'm talking to a returning guest and two newbies, I suppose. One of them, just to get out of the way. THD, welcome to the show. So I had a chat. Hello, sir. What's up? Hey. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It I feel like I wanted more, but I think the it's me and the and the wave is is pretty good. So That's you're what, what what are you offering to bring to the show today? What is your goal? Uh, uh I have very big brain strategies. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, I play warlock. I think we went over this before. So you're actually immune to NA brain because you're not from here. Is that correct? 
Yeah. Okay. My, my parents are Cuban. Damn. So you do have the big brain strats. Returning to the show, Tags, welcome back, sir. Hello. Hello. You're very close to your camera, so chat can just soak it in. Can't get any farther. <laughs> no, just do the, do the thing I asked you earlier. Just scoot back like a scotch. Here we go. Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm just kidding. You have you're following up THD. You have to have something. Oh, um, I like THD. Only play one class. Class is very bad right now. Oh, maybe not worth mentioning. Hmm, it's in your Twitter bio. You're not rolling any any healer ults, no? I tried to, but they didn't let me. You tried to. Yeah, the guild keeps me down. Hmm, it's unfortunate. That's too bad. However, also in a somewhat similar boat, Atlas, there's the fresh meat of the show. Welcome, sir. Hello. 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 I also play a horrible class, <laughs> and I'm also a full-time uh, student, so I don't have time to keep up multiple characters, because first and foremost, I'm a scholar, which, by the way, THD doesn't have the biggest brain here. I definitely do. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, I'm here to chat it up. What's good? So the two it's funny how the two of you bring up that you both play terrible classes, even though there's I don't know, that's like a can of worms, because that's a question that we'll save for a little bit later in the show when we get into this, because there there is a very distinct difference to what Limit did this tier than what Method and potentially other guilds done. So I wanna make sure that we bring that up. However, I sort of Opened that with all three of you. So since Tags has been here before, are are these two knuckleheads able to to keep up and answer all these questions and things and how we run this this show? Is is Max gonna be all right with this? Are you guys gonna get in trouble? Are we okay? Yeah. Yep. These are two of the best people that we could possibly have in the show. <laughs> oh no. Like I said, THD might be of Twitch, but he's a nice guy. And Atlas is the most professional, smart person in the whole game. Thank you. So, and then there's me. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> and what are you? What are you bringing to this? I, I couldn't tell you. Hmm. He brings that X factor. Yes. Healer stuff. Healer, Healer stuff. stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, I've hopefully... been here since the start. I was one of the founders of Limit. There you go. Yeah. That. You have the history then. Yeah. If you weren't playing Holy Paladin right now, what would be the healer of your choice? Um, well, like I said, they don't let me play anything else, so I don't have a choice. <laughs> but I'd probably be playing uh, DK. That's my second passion. We, we've we've seen uh, Togs come out of the woodwork a couple times, and that's my after that, it was, it was he's pretty good. But wait. I asked if you were, what other healer would you play? Yeah, they don't, they don't let me play any of them. Oh. play Ellie Shaman. Hmm. Atlas, how about you? If you weren't playing Death Knight, what would you play? Uh, probably something useful. Anything <laughs> that really does anything of use at all, or does any damage, or has any utility, or can contribute something to the raid. Um, probably a tank, honestly, because I've been stuck tanking for the last four years of playing this game. But, yeah. Yeah, Atlas brings that X-Factor in tanking. Probably DH, honestly. Yeah? DH is sick. 
yeah. Didn't have time to really prep it as well as I wanted to for this raid, though, so. And I can't really ask THD the same question because he plays Warlock, which is funny to me because I actually came up as, as a, a discussion point of the day on my stream where has there ever been an expansion, really, where at some point in time, Blizzard goes like, you know what, let's tune Warlocks down a bit, and next patch, they just forget. Because they're always... Beginning of Legion. Nuh-uh. It wasn't until, like, after Trial of Valor. Uh, it was like, in Emerald Nightmare, if you didn't get the Legendary for, like, Dima, you're basically not going to do anything. And in Trial of Valor, they changed Affliction, but not too many people started playing it then, so... Oh, well. I don't know why my camera's lagging. No, it is lagging a little bit. I would notice that. That's weird. I'll hit the wrong scene button. You were you were you were actually stuck staring at chat there for a moment. So I thought that was actually just natural until it didn't move. <laughs> so but let's see. So I opened the show with a big shout out to the incredible work that Wowhead curates for the community, which of course there's a ton of stuff that's out there. You can't even keep up with all of it. But let me turn the mic over to each of the three of you if you have any shout-outs or anything that you would like to, to throw out there to members of the guild, people that help make Limit what it is today, anyone else that's sort of in that realm. So this is your sort of... I did this at the end of the show before, but this should be at the front end. So if you would take a few minutes to shout-out anyone you need to. THD, you want to open us up with this? Start us off. Yeah, sure. Welcome back to Supreme. Yeah. The man's back. You gotta and, uh, we have elaborate. a new member. His name is. We have a new member. His name's Lighty. We have a lot of new members. Always new people. So yeah, we sure have, we have be a, a couple lot more returning people. We only have one new person, I think. I think. Huh. I have a lot of at Supreme in chat. You gotta fill me in. He's he our. Was, uh, uh, he was our warlock in Wildeer, and he left, and then he came back. He went back to Taiwan or China or something. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what people are saying. That's somewhere Max is screaming. I'm not sure. I don't know all the uh, inside. Is that all you got though, THD? Is there anything else? I don't know. I guess uh, my friends. Lenny and, and Mudboy. Lenny and the boys. Okay. Tags, how about you? Yeah. Um, shout out to uh, our sponsors. We got GNC, Bloody, Heroes Her. And uh, shout out to Rengaro for everything he's done for this guild. Been really helpful since the start. Yeah, that's it for me. Who was that particularly? Who was that? Rengaro? Yeah. Who's a legend on Illidan. Kind of keeps us going uh, on the local level, kind of undercover. Okay, I don't know if I was like an artist or someone that does your videos with that too. Nah, nah, nah. Okay, no, nah, you wouldn't know. Atlas, any uh, yeah. shout outs you need to bring up? Uh, just shout out to everybody in Limit for making it a good old time. Uh, shout out to my roommate for griefing me during progress. Uh, shout out to my school for griefing me during progression. Wait. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot. I've been through a lot. I've grown stronger because of it, but uh, these few His weeks state trade going too. Yeah. It's been it's been a real roller coaster of emotions for me personally. And uh playing a DK doesn't help with that with the crippling depression setting in <laughs> remaining that class. So Oh no. Just shout out to, you know, everything. Shout out to our sponsor, shout out to the guild, shout out to Max. Unfortunately he couldn't be here today. Uh he'll be in our thoughts and prayers. But yeah. Oh, and shout out to 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 Tags for recognizing that I'm the most professional and smart person in the guild. Mm-hmm. It's come full circle. So Yep. Shout out to Tom Sesson as well. Wait, there's something but in there I that you be here. something that you unpack for us, Atlas, just to make sure we're mm-hmm. all on the same page here. How was how was the IRL MMO? How were you getting griefed in real life during progression? What was uh it was twofold. So my school has this really funny thing where the apartments just fall apart at any given moment. So oh. it rained and my power went out for three days. Um so that was actually why I wasn't there for two days on Jaina. And then Ouch. on top of that, my roommate decided to play a prank on us and uh he bought this little bottle off of Amazon that basically made the entire apartment smell like the inside of a sewer. And he's been spraying that all over the apartment for about a week and a half straight. And then every day I would like log on at like 6.45 a.m. Because I live West Coast too, so I have to wake up super early for the raid. And then it just smells like the inside of a toilet. And that kind of became like a recurring thing it, during progression. Wouldn't Wouldn't that be bad for your roommate as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. He he literally decided to suffer with us just because he thought it would be fun. Huh. Sounds like you need to get a new roommate. I love him. He's funny. But uh, I'd, I'd prefer if he didn't do that during, you know, 15-hour raid days or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, shout out to GNC, by the way, for these uh, little shaker cups. Ooh. Actual product placement. Live well. I yeah. like that. You can use my um, discount code. It's hashtag GNC Gamer. I think it'll give you 5% off. Hey, this is your section of the show, by all means. So, GNC Gamer. Uh, I guess we can start unpacking the, the meat and potatoes here. So, as history has unfortunately repeated itself, and the story, however, and I was saying this when I was at the Red Bull Gaming Sphere in London when I was casting and talking to the casters that were there, is that it was a very different experience to sort of absorb all the information coming in from the outside world because all we had was definitely the method guys every single day in the sphere right there, like seven of them, and then all that information coming in, all their their time and figuring things out, like their cadence of everything. But the story that Limit came to tell was a little ridiculous, though, and credit where credit is due. However... We can definitely see the strengths that the guild has, but you definitely didn't lock in world first, despite having a pretty commanding lead. So what did you each think of the race this time around compared to Uldir? And how different was the Battle of Dazarlor sort of in scope, scale, commitment, preparation, right? To compare and contrast the two raids, because you definitely went out to that commanding lead. You have two bosses. So things like how much AP was farmed, how many islands, how many pet battles. I don't know who wants to start fielding this 
tags. Uh, I can start. Yeah, yeah go I'll for start. it. Um, so, I guess to run through the whole tier, mm-hmm. our our lead at the beginning really amounted to like, you know, besides the U.S. start. So I guess including that, it was probably about a daily in terms of like the blockade Mechatork stuff. I don't think it was that crazy of a lead, especially because this tier kind of seems like a one boss raid. I think that'd be safe to say. Maybe two. Yeah. Well, the thing is, blockade's harder now, but people before they changed it could have killed that boss in five pulls. No method and us didn't, but there was a strategy that if you knew it, you could have killed that boss in five pulls. Oh, well, are we talking about the fly back and forth a whole lot and dot him up and take 12 minutes? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Just, um, when, what people used to do was they would wait for the boss to swap and then they'd lust and just not kick them. Right. Um, and that you can't do that anymore. No, you'd lust before they swapped. Anyways, it was really easy. The boss was cool. And that's kind of the theme of the whole raid was a lot of the bosses were well-designed, but just undertuned. All right. And I know people don't like hearing a, you know, a top raider saying that, but it was really undertuned. It really was compared to previous tiers and everything. Um, like, I think the comparison to Uldir was, I think, personally, Uldir wasn't that well-designed, but it was impeccably tuned. It was really well done. And this was the opposite. When we did these boss on PTR, we thought these would be great. Well, I didn't do them on PTR. But when people did them on PTR, um, they seemed like really well-designed boss. Um, and then when it came to Mythic Tuesday, it just, everything fell over. It, uh, you know, we, we kind of brute force a lot of bosses without actually knowing how they were or having good strategies for them. And that shouldn't really be possible. Because we're in, like, heroic gear, 400 eye level average. Right. So it was, dis- it was disappointing in that way, as a raid. Um, and like I said, compared to Uldir, all of the bosses in Uldir were kind of the same. They all had the same spread out and kill this ad really quickly. Right. Like every boss. Um, but it was tuned really well. So if you can get both of those, this raid would have been amazing. But because everything was undertuned, it was, it was just Jane. I wonder if the, I don't know if, if undertuned would be the, the wrong word. Cause I, I wonder if these bosses were potentially designed almost a year ago, or at least the numbers were before they added the extra Azerite ring. Cause that seems like that was a knee jerk reaction that Blizzard added that. And obviously we had PTR testing and whatnot, but it really is awkward how the first six kind of have that siege of Orgrimmar feel. Well, they've got some neat mechanics that take you by surprise a little bit here and there, but the first six bosses are all like the same level of difficulty. Well, the first one doesn't. What is that? <laughs> We're not talking about Champion Light. It's fine. A trash mob. It's it's basically a trash mob with lots of HP. But I wonder what that is because basically you get to Mecha Torque and then you finally get to like oh, and that's why I was actually saying that if there are two bosses, I would actually probably Mecha Torque and Jaina because Stormwall is so cheesable. Because of the short sightedness yeah, I mean, on the way it's designed. Mechatork's a good boss, well designed, but you can kill the boss with five people dead, six people dead. Yeah, that's, sure. So that's what I mean by tuning. And hmm. some of the things are like things that should kill you, don't kill you. Um, 
like on they're Jaina, like for mild example. inconveniences like the, the frost blast on Jaina, her like little frontal cone that should kill you 100 like on any other boss end boss in the past a mechanic like that just kills you okay and it just didn't um now Jaina was still a great fight really hard but that just an example of that sort of thing and then the other side of that is having not enough health so everything on mechator did kind of kill you it was dangerous it's a it's it's a good fight but you can lose five people and still kill it okay so there's two sides of the tuning thing. on Jaina, there's some things that should have really one shot you and they didn't and then on like mechator and blockade those bosses just don't have enough health for the second and third last bosses that's what we were really talking about was Mechatork's mechanics were nice, well-designed, but then you realize that he just doesn't have any health in the last phase and you can stumble there with five people dead. Right. And usually on a boss like that, third last boss, second last boss, you need to have everything bulletproof and your strat needs to be good and you need to go into the last phase with all your reses, not go into the last phase with five people dead, you know? So that's what we're really on about because not even just us and method, like some of the better, more casual guilds, casual is relative, but guilds like vodka and instant dollars, they were getting to Jaina in like 60 total pulls, like across yeah. the whole instance. 60 yeah. pulls. Like that's, that's not even just method and limit complaining about tuning. That's, it, it was undertuned. The raid was just period. It's weird too, because I wonder if, whenever you know that another raid is coming out, right? So we have the adverse effect. We had Emerald Nightmare, which got trounced. And then we had Odin and Guarm and Helia in the Trial of Valor, which was a huge step up in the overall tuning in comparison to Emerald Nightmare. That's like a, a same tier-ish situation. And we have that right now with the Battle of Desire lore because we have Crucible Storms coming up. But they're on the same eye level, and I'll get more into that later. But it's I wonder if Blizzard intended this raid to not last as long because we are going to get the extra two bosses that are sort of part of this tier. Not before too much longer. So we just had another round of PTR testing. We'll have to see. But, I mean, I, I want some, some nonsense, some stats here. We were comparing this when we were casting that Limit overall had less Heart of Azeroth farm. So, how hard did you guys go on the AP farm, though, THD? Because I was told you have a very uh, <clears throat> thick neck. Yep, got a nice girthy one, but uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people farm. We we asked people to farm as you know as much as they possibly could without getting burned out, right? Obviously, I, I farmed a lot. I did you know islands every single day, all that stuff, but. For the most part, like, I think the most of the people's goals in the guild was, like, 41 or 42. You know, some people just kind of got, like, 39 and 40 and just kind of like, oh, all right, that's fine. Right. Some people decided to go for 43, and, you know, that's, like, the very small minority. You know, on Method, I think it was pretty normal to get 42 and 43, right? That's, like, the difference there. They just went, you know, a little bit more into the uh, whole island farming. Okay. Then, obviously, you have the Russian Demon Hunter. Yeah, I just I don't have a chatter relay to put on this kind of a show, but at the current recording of this, Mippo and Exorcist is at forty nine. Probably done in another day or two. 
Unbelievable. I mean, once you get to 50, you're done for right now until the Ajara patch comes out. So you can just shelve AP for the next few months. Take a break. But there. So you guys didn't go that because when we, were, when we were looking at the stats to compare and contrast like where they, they thought come into this, because we thought that if the raid took an extra reset, which it didn't overall, because method was ahead at like an average of 42, if they get a reset clear with all of their Azerite, they would fly past having a little bit more useful traits unlocking across the board. Whereas you guys only had about 40 across the, the guild. So you would have slightly less getting less power from that reset overall. Granted a huge reset of eight bosses is still crazy, but I guess Atlas, was there anything else that you guys did? Did there's a whole bunch of crafting nonsense that you guys did? Did you max out like all the different crafting professions and get the 415 so you could trade loot? And how many other runs were before? I remember a tweet that you guys did you guys do like nine um mythic old ear clears for like funneling people residium? What did that happen? Uh there's like a bunch of stuff. I think most of the preparation for this tier came before the tier actually was released because we were doing like uh, cloth splits, two leather splits, well, two cloth splits, two leather splits, a plate split, a male split, and then just funneling uh, Azerite into specific people for them to make Residuum out of. Right. Which, by the way, that system is just demented beyond belief, and it needs to be gone. But uh, <laughs> there were some, like, crafting stuff. We had, like, some minor optimizations. People picked up Alchemy, built, like, the 400 um, trinket from that so they can trade trinkets from the raid. Um People picked up engineering, got the 400 helmet from that so that they can craft an Azerite helmet and they trade Azerite helmets during Heroic Week. We also did like some shenanigans with doing specific bosses that dropped Azerite for alts that they can coin during Heroic Week, then swapped out the group, didn't actually full run it, got like a saved lockout for a different boss, and then tried to get all of our alts, like specific pieces of Azerite that wasn't the engineering helm, and then have them trade it out if they got a piece later in the raid. Um, and then I think most of the people picked up jewel crafting for the 415 ring eventually that they can craft because it comes with a socket. Yep. Um, so there's like a bunch of like crafting stuff. There was like a bunch of prep stuff in Old Deer specifically. Like before, we thought about doing some Old Deer splits during like Heroic Week as well if people were close to getting um, Azerite pieces off of the vendor. But I think we didn't end up actually doing that. We just like didn't have time for it or didn't think it was worth it. Um, but as far as AP goes, too, there's like a spectrum in the guild, really, on what people did for preparing their neck. And it's just like, do whatever the most you can with your time. And for different people, that's a different amount. Like, THD went to 43. Me, I was sitting at like 39 until like the night before Mythic came out, basically. And then I got 40 like the day of by opening yeah. the chest. Because like, there's some people in the guild who have more obligations to other things in real life. And there's some people who can, you know, grind it out and do islands all day plus also i would just never be caught dead spamming islands outside of a weekly cap so <laughs> i just straight up never did an extra island yeah out of principle but um yeah there's definitely a spectrum when it comes to preparation for the tier but I, i'm pretty sure everybody gave pretty much their all into going into this there is it's funny you bring up the the residium thing because i think that residuum is a fine system if the hotfix that Blizzard put in just made it so that you don't get any currency if you traded the gear because the <laughs> they're ridiculous. 
we talked about that on uh, at the Red Bull Gaming Sphere live, talking about it sort of on the caster desk. And I don't know why that was their decision. Because if there's ever a time that any of the top guilds or anyone that's pushing that type of progression is going to get any type of advantage, you're going to figure out how to do that. And I'm pretty sure Blizzard does not intend to do viewer raids and do last tier raids or do multiple, multiple, multiple types of splits. We saw three different oriented um, cloth, leather, and male plate splits during Method's free farm in Heroic where you're funneling Residium and Azerite pieces to like one person or two people, right? I'm pretty sure that was not intentional, but they broke it in the worst way possible. And I just don't, it was a funny part to bring up. It just feels like a band-aid fix to something that's fundamentally flawed, which is the Azerite system to begin with. And they didn't really know how to deal with, you know, people complaining that Azerite wasn't working in a way that was either fun or made them feel like they're getting something out of it. So they yeah. had to put in a vendor. And then now it's like kind of like a half-assed way to like have people target specific pieces but they didn't really think of the consequences on what happens when you put a currency like that and don't reset it every single raid or just increase values like that it's just going to make people farm it for endlessly large amounts of time and then stockpile it for later even if it's like a marginal increase towards the overall goal so it just seems like an oversight really well, speaking of marginal increases to the overall goal, can you speak about, if you want to keep going on this Atlas, or if, if Tags wants to, being the uh, the old dog in the pen here with the guild, the gold and IRL money back and forth, the guild swapping to Alliance and then back to Horde for progression because of the Warfront nonsense. I know that was a hot topic in the social media realm. Was it worth it? Yeah, it was yeah. worth it. Uh, the only issue is Max had to sell his car for us to do that, so <laughs> he's in a rough spot right now. I don't... If you want to go and sub to him, that would really help. Um, but other than that, like if you don't care about his car, then it was really worth it. Like The thing is, uh, because of the timing on EU, they couldn't even do that if they wanted to. Right. Because the Warfront was not the same. So for what we did... We paid like, I don't know, I think it was 15, 20 million gold for two to three, 400 pieces on every. It's pretty good. And everyone's alts. Yeah. So we think it was worth it. And I think we were actually, we had the most gear around that time. And, but then by the time Mythic started rolling, we fell behind a little bit. I do believe because you, yeah. We had an advantage from that, but we didn't do as much splits and didn't do as much crafting. So. Yeah. got a little burst up. So it was worth it. Especially when you compare that 15 to 20 million gold to just buying BOEs. Like people were spending one, two, three million gold on individual pieces. We spent 20 on, albeit 400 pieces, but 50 of them or 100 of them. Yeah. Right. We, we transferred 50 characters. So it was like 100 pieces. So it was good. Just one car. Yeah. <sighs> I guess the side point about this that came up in the community, sort of like YouTube and the Reddit scene, brought this notion of, air quotes, buying a world first. And I think in the past, we have seen sort of extreme measures that the, the top guilds that are pushing for this have done 
to do this, all the different little bits and pieces they can get ahead with. Is this sort of, I don't think it's been as extreme as, I don't remember hearing about this in like Mrs. Pandaria, right? When I started doing this show all those years ago. So this one is interesting. The amount of, it's AP coupled with either Warfront shenanigans or not. And remember, it was Alliance that got the Warfront for this raid, but the Horde had it for the beginning of Uldir. The same nonsense came up in the community about that too, but uh, this is a different one where you, you're actually moving the guild to do that, and it's funny you tied that to, to BOEs too, because I do believe it said that um, Method is in roughly, or was in roughly the 55 plus million gold range in debt from what they use on on BOEs and crafties and buying out servers worth of materials to make all their gear. So how much do you well, think limit spent? I don't think it's changed at all. Like if guilds in the past had the opportunity to pay 20 million gold for such and such, they like at the start of MOP, I remember Blood Legion did five or six splits in the first tier. Sure. So that involves leveling up all those characters, doing dungeons on them. And obviously it was different back then, but, um, you know, they put in a ton of time those first two weeks doing that. And, you know, time spent versus gold spent, I don't really see a difference because we, we made that gold in the previous tier kind of over a long period of time. It was easy to compare that to playing all day, every day for two weeks just to get characters enough for splits. That, not just targeting Blood Legion specifically in that tier, I only say that because I know what they did, but that's been a thing forever. Like, right. The guild, guilds will always do the maximum possible that is a lot, that's available to them to get gear, right? So, like I said, if Blood Legion at the beginning of MOP could have paid that gold sum, they would have. just wasn't, there was no benefit there. Yeah. Because, like, Method, for example, back in... I don't know when they switched, but maybe Dragon Soul or Firelands or something, but they swapped the whole guild to Horde from Alliance just for Orc Racial, Troll Racial. That was it. Um, and I think it was the pet damage thing back in the day for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, stuff. I mean, stuff like that. That's such yeah. tiny. I mean, that's just as small as what we did, essentially, in the grand scheme of things. You know, we were getting heroic gear. That's really small. But top guilds do that every single tier ever since it started to really ramp up the competitiveness, which probably happened around, I think people usually say like ICC is when the competitiveness started to pick up, but I don't know. Just to get a little spritzing of, of uh, Max in the show, he's in chat, but uh, he commented on just, it's like, it's like people reaching that haven't watched the world first race since it's being streamed. And then that's like talking about, oh, this is so extreme and buying world first or whatever. And then guilds have always done whatever they need to do to get an edge, which is what I commented on as well. Uh, the, the point about you bringing up when Method guild swapped before, race changed before, that was before in-game gold monetarily was a thing. So that was all IRL money back in the day. Now you can do it all with gold. But um, yeah, and then just tens of thousands of people are getting into it now, so everyone is just new to it. It's like the min-maxing level of sort of finagling the systems in World of Warcraft, which some would argue there's probably way too many things that can be taken advantage of in this regard, 
but then only so many people do, but then because so many, so much more evidence of it is happening because of the streaming and because of the coverage of the race to world first now, more people know about this, so it's the, the trickle-down effect, so it's not just like four guilds or whatever, right? It's many, many more. I would even venture to guess that it probably branches all the way down to like maybe even the top 50 to 100 world do a lot of this, even do cloth splits, leather splits, that kind of stuff because of the systems involved here. So, but I want to peek behind the curtain a little bit here. THD, perhaps you can help us with that. So since Limit doesn't stream, as we brought up before and on the past shows, and how do you approach bosses? I think this kind of a little bit with this in the intro of the show. How do you approach how do you approach as a guild bosses in a fresh raid compared to the later bosses? I know there was a, a bit in the pre-show about how you guys don't have like a raid leader per se. So how do you ingest information that's coming into you from streams or logs or other guilds that are around doing things? How do you guys formulate all that stuff and how do you guys approach a raid tier? Usually before the raid tier, we'll look at the PTR testings we did and try to think about things. For the most part, we don't really read the dungeon journal. Like for the first like six bosses, we just kind of go in there and eventually the boss just kind of fell over. That was basically every single strategy for like the first six. The only boss we came up with like somewhat of a strategy was Mechatork, where like we had the box in the center of the room. And the reason that was like that was because the first boss wasn't even a boss. The second boss, he is actually a pretty good second boss. I like Grong. Uh, the third boss, Jadefire, was like, it had a lot of cool things, but like nothing really like hurt at all. And then Opulence, it was like, you're just hitting like a, a dummy for the first part of the fight. And eventually, the second part of the fight just had no HP. And it was like, oh, okay. And then Conclave was, the HP value on Conclave was like 18 million health per boss. And it was like, literally nothing you just killed the bosses in like one minute each and there was actually enraged timers for every single boss but we never got to see any of them right like, like there was no enrage like i i learned that conclave has an enrage in a normal pug it's got a 10 minute enrage <laughs> we killed the boss in i think what five or six minute kill on progression like that's like four minutes ahead it's really weird and then Rastakhan, I mean, we were having some issues like a Rastakhan, but then the first time we got to like 70%, and then second time we got to the Death Realm, and it was like, okay. And that was the only hard part of the fight. After you got past the Death Realm, we had like 10 people alive, and we got the boss. We lived in like the last phase for like three or four minutes with like 10 people alive. And then the next pull, I think we got everyone down there again, and the boss just died in phase four like nothing. Like phase four Rastakhan had absolutely nothing going on. It was just like, Oh, here's the boss. Boss got the like forty percent. Here's your loot. And then hey. like Mech Torque was like the only real boss after that, and it was like not huh. even too much. It was like in PTR the radiation zones on Mech Torque were a little bit bigger, so like they were actually bigger the radiation zones, so you couldn't stack them up as much. And then like you just immunity like three of them on top of each other, and suddenly doesn't really pose much of a threat. Wasn't kind of same thing with normal. Just to, to to caveat that one, wasn't the the combinations with the spark bots on Mythic Mecha Torque two, wasn't it five colors instead of three? But they just took up the two for Mythic as well. So that was that spark yeah. bot control was easier. Yeah. 
to me, a little bit easier in that sense, but. Yeah, yeah the version was, of Microsoft on PTR would have been much harder. There's That wasn't the only change, because the pools used to cover most of what it could see in LOS. Ooh. So okay. You it was like a 10 year puddle. Uh, I don't even know, but it would have been much harder for sure. Right. So are there, do you guys put together when you get to the boss that actually requires something, uh, which may be like the last three, the last two, even though again, Stormwall is harder now <laughs> than it was when you guys got the world first on Stormwall blockade, which is so funny to me. Blizzard likes to do this. They fix things after they've been broken, but then everyone else sort of suffers <laughs> in a weird way. And uh, I mean, we get more gear at the time than we get there. Like, I'm on Stormwall tomorrow. And like our first couple of pulls, we just did the cheese on the boat. So then all of a sudden we're in phase two and it's 60%. We're like, all right, let's do like five more. We should have this. It's such a weird fight. But when you get to the real bosses, uh, when do you get more analytical? Do you break out spreadsheets? Right? Is there log diving with yourself? Do you get any logs you've looked at from other? I mean, because you were ahead when you got to the Mechatorque into Stormwall, right? So you didn't have any information. So what do you do to formulate, you know, how do you do that besides you're not just like pulling a boss, try something, wipe, reset, repeat? Um, well, so I guess to touch on a couple things there. Okay. Um, also with your original question, like what we do to prepare that sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't say that we do this like every time because we always are doing different things and we are pretty much constantly doing something different every tier. As sure. we learn, as we try and get better. This tier, we actually spent like hours and hours and hours just watching the bosses PTR testing as a guild. Not sure if we'll do that again, but basically we had everyone in a channel and watched the testing together and to formulate some sort of strategy. Um, and then like THC was talking through, this didn't really matter, you know, uh, if those bosses were harder. I think it would have paid off and it would have been worth, you know, the time that we spent in pre-tier because we had pretty nice and fleshed out strategies going into every boss. Okay. Um, and that also kind of lines up with like why our, for example, our strategy on blockade was so different than everyone else's and didn't really, it didn't really exploit the weaknesses of the fight. We kind of did the fight seemingly how Blizzard intended to. Um, so like when the boss was fixed the next week, it didn't even affect us at all. Like for example, one of the fixes was you couldn't dodge the voltaic flashes on the sides anymore. Right. But we just never were doing that. Maybe because we're stupid. I don't know. <laughs> um, like we weren't we weren't like abusing some of the weaknesses of blockade. We just went in with the strat that we had kind of figured out before the tier, and we just pull with that um and that's probably the, the biggest difference in terms of like what we're talking about here the how do you approach a boss how do you do that sort of thing we we just pull like a lot hmm. and really really fast like we don't ready check we pull usually like 30 seconds in between every pull no ready checks no nothing now we do we're, we're always discussing things but we usually do it during the the pulls so we don't take like long breaks to discuss strategy usually we just keep pulling keep pulling and discuss it as we go so that's, that's definitely the the 
biggest difference is like method on stream. Obviously everyone saw, they take these very long breaks. Um, we, we pretty much never do that. So we usually also end up with pretty high pull counts. Sure. But time wise, we like that way better. So who's to say whose is better? Obviously they won, but I don't think it's because they take long breaks. They won because they played better, you know? So I don't know which, which strategy is better. It's probably just that works for them. This works for us. You know? Okay. But that that's the biggest one for sure. Is the pull. We pull fast. Is your <laughs> I was told this back uh, a few episodes ago with you guys, I'm sure, that your comms, your voice comms, which we're not really gonna hear many of them when we get to the second half of the show when you do the, the uh, live commentary, because the video you guys have of your mythic Jaina it does have your comms on. Which obviously is a little more subdued in that sense, but do you still have three or four, seven different conversations all happening at the same time and it just works for you guys? Is that still oh, yeah. the hectic yep. madness? Oh yeah. There's there's just there's a amalgamation of conversations going on at all times. Usually <laughs> it's somebody either just spouting out memes or saying something stupid or THD? flaming each other in the middle of the Yeah. Honestly, usually it's me. Oh, um, what? Yeah, I remember because it was like this on uh, Gahoon too. Like Gahoon was the funniest one because there was that one night we were just pushing until like 5 a.m. or something like that, trying to kill it before the reset. And I wasn't even in on the raid, but I was just like up with like my head on, like asleep on the desk and like in the middle of their pull in like phase one, I would just say something stupid, like just literally spouting out just random stuff to make people laugh and wake up. Yeah. But that's like a norm pretty much. There's just always conversation going on. And it's like people just enjoying raiding with each other. And it's it's great because nobody really gets distracted during it either. Like people are capable of uh, playing, well, some. But, you know, big brain players such as myself, we're able to mm -hmm. play at a, yep. at a good level while also having fun. Well, sort of a follow-up question to that, I suppose, is that uh, not sure who wants to answer this one because I don't really know. This sort of came to me from the nether in my Discord. Did Limit have a Method Josh trash talking Limit montage video ready to put together? If you did, if you guys did secure World First, was that something that was in the works behind the scenes? I don't think uh, any of I us would have made a video, so. but I the have thing, a lot of clips. The oh. thing is with with Josh for us, I'm I'm sure someone would have made that video, not from, but. Everyone here that pays attention to Josh kind of knows he's it's just a bit, you know? Sure. And everyone else, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention to anything. So they wouldn't, they probably never seen Josh's stream. So I think, like, yeah, anyone that knows Josh pretty much knows that he's, you know, he's a jokester. Alrighty. He's a funny guy. So, here's a serious question to follow that one up on, though. Tags is coming to you. I talked to Deep Shades about this last week in episode 179, but I want to get your take on it because your raid composition is so very different to how the roster and limit looks compared to method in this regard. So, were there any classes or specs that were MVPs during your endeavor to tackle word first for Mythic Jaina? Or did you know about them to swap them in? Was that reason why you recruited the way you did ahead of time? Or did anything suddenly jump out of nowhere and surprise you? 
Yes, I mean, in terms of the classes that were valuable, I think it's probably the exact same as method, um, except for, but like, you know, Shadow Priests were great, Warlocks were great. Both guilds clearly knew that, wasn't too too crazy to figure out. Um, the one that was different for us that we put a lot of weight into and thought it was going to be great um, was Prop Pally as the mm. tank. Yeah. Um, we were really trying to run double prop pally. We ended up swapping off of that, but I th think we were right in that prop pally was extremely strong this tier, especially for Jaina. Um, they do a ton of healing, like a ton of healing, and their immunity for Jaina, like the avalanche stuff, that was super awesome. I think Darky ended up using bubble taunt in the last phase for like a full eight second immunity on both the ad and the boss. Hmm. So it was, I th think that was great. And obviously, Method didn't use Prop Pally. So that's really the biggest difference. But in terms of like which classes were great, I think both guilds figured that out pretty quickly. You know, Warlock, Shadow Priests, Rhett. Rhett was really good. Um, there were classes that we thought would be much better um, going into the tier. Um, we actually were kind of preparing four mages. Oh, wow. Um, obviously, we ended up only using one. So that was probably the biggest, like, misfire was we really thought mages was going to be a play. But, you know, our, our ending comp for Jaina was probably really similar to Jaina or to Method in terms of, like, DPS. Um, because, like I said, it's obvious. Once you're actually doing the boss, it's pretty obvious what classes are good. And if, especially with a week's reset of gear, you can gear people up. Obviously, Method didn't do the reset, but like they didn't do their splits until later in the week when they had already pulled Jaina over a hundred, maybe over 200 times. So when you do that second split, you can really target the exact classes that you already know are good on the boss because you've been pulling the boss. Um, the other biggest one was our healers. The healer comp was much, much different. Um, Method used two disc priests and we didn't use any priests. Oh, um, okay. That, that was more of that wasn't a necessary choice. Like we didn't go into the boss thinking that was the play necessarily. Um, but basically what happened was we had two disc priests available. That was Jeeth and Siori. Um, Jeeth's priest just got no gear in like heroics. So after we did the first week of heroics, Jeeth was kind of just set on playing monk because his monk actually had 15 higher eye level. <laughs> so when that happened, we essentially were down to one priest. If we wanted to use two, it was going to be a much less geared priest. So it was just Siori. And Siori's alt is a shaman. So when we get to Jaina, I think Method might agree on this. Maybe not. It might have not been possible with like their first week kill. But to us, having two shaman was much more important than having a priest. You know, obviously, disc priest would have been super awesome to have. But having that second shaman, I think, is even better. So I, I feel like in the same situation, Method actually would have agreed with the healer swap we did, which was to go from one disc priest to no priests at all, but the trading is double shaman. Right. Double shaman is extremely important on that fight. Oh, once, I mean, casting and watching the way they change things up at least from what I was watching with, with Method's POV, when they delayed the Spirit Link totems to buffer the Biting Cold stacks, like sub 
10 to 9% on Jaina. On the desk, we were like, this is, this is, they've got it, right? They moved their healing cooldowns and they, they were all alive. That, that, that was it. So, yeah, no, Resto Shaman definitely was clutch at them. That was what was brought up on the show last week as well, for sure. The, it's interesting though with the no disc priest because their, their HPS was stupid in that fight, but you no, still yeah, got the, it though. The only healer that really shouldn't be in that last phase is a holy power. At all four other healers are are pretty equal in right. terms of healing, except Shaman has Ankto and then SLT. Right. So, you know, the trade-off with Shaman versus Priest is damage versus that insane, incredible cooldown SLT. We didn't need the damage, so we yeah. dropped all of our Priests. Fair enough. So then, Atlas, to expand upon that... The, the crew over at Wowhead was curious about sort of the, the different approach limit had in this tier overall. And I don't think you guys did this in Old Deer, but the recruiting that the guild put together and the roster was quite different comparatively. So when I asked Scripe this last week, how they handled their roster, they were very keyed in on what they wanted for the last two encounters. And historically, Method has a lot of very... They have a really core group of people, just over 20. Everyone, they have a lot of alts, right? So why did this style change with Limit and having so many people on the roster that were basically focused on like one to two characters or maybe even like one or two specs, depending on their character they're playing? Was that for more of like a plug-and-play style and because of the, the class stacking and stuff like that? Like what is that going to continue going forward? What guy, what led you guys to, um, to do that? Yeah, it's pretty. it's pretty deliberate. Oh, this is for Atlas tags. Yeah, shut up, tags. Oh, God damn it. You get you your, talked enough. You gotta right. get your questions, yeah. No, fucking <laughs> real big brain answer. Uh, I like that. It, it's honestly just a matter of, uh, like, time available to prepare multiple characters. Like, you don't... We don't set an expectation of anybody in this guild, really, to, like, have to have three four characters you have to have a 42 neck you have to have what this 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 and this it's you do what you can with your time and you show up and you own and recruiting has always been that way too like obviously you want to recruit people who play specific classes that you're lacking but everybody in this guild is fully capable of playing pretty much anything so if you want them to play that class you just move them to play that class like nori this tier played a windwalker and previously he's played warlock shadow priest he's played a healer a Mistweaver Monk. He's played three different healer alts. He's played a DK last expansion. Like you, you move your good players to the class that you need, and you recruit good players. And you always want to recruit the best players and just have them in for the last boss. And you always, you know, use the characters that would be in for the last boss. So, for example, like if you know that a specific class is going to be good on Jaina, or you think it's going to be good on Jaina, like we planned on using my DK. Um, you're going to bring in the DK for all the previous bosses before that to try and get them the most gear so that they're useful on Jaina. But obviously, you like taper off certain classes if they're just straight up not good for previous fights because you think that there's going to be a large benefit to having a different class. Like if there's a large multi-dotting class, like or multi-dotting fight, like Stormwall Blockade or like Conclave, where you want like range characters and you're obviously not going to bring in like a DK because you're not getting anything out of it. And you also have to do like a benefit analysis as well like on the boss specifically that you do set the class that you think is going to be in on the last boss like if you don't get any pieces of gear off of a boss that there's a class that's better than you that can be in right there's really no 
point in bringing in that class for that fight just for like you know a risk at losing loot basically mm -hmm. but you always want to approach it as you tailor your raid comp and you tailor the characters that are in based on what's at the end of the raid because otherwise you're just wasting loot on characters that you won't end up using oh i'll add in what max put in chat and this is sort of a back and forth point and take it for what it is but uh max said they're just like there's about a fifth of the amount of good players sort of in the this region right we all know there are way more players that play in the eu region overall so their amount of better or more proficient players is going to be higher than over in the na region but if there's a great player who wants or has to play one character you can take that any day whoever you could recruit over them in short so okay was there so how many people i mean shout out to those who are on the bench then i guess in that regard the bench is super important but was there a lot of people then that didn't get utilized or like their classes wasn't what you wanted to to slot into the raid then i think we have a roster of like 27 or 28 people okay. um obviously some people have commitments and they can't be around even if they're not in for the raid like i have class some days some people work full-time yeah um but usually the people on the bench, like in the downtime that they're not in the raid, are usually running Mythic Plus or something to get gear in the off time too. So whenever I'm not in, like I did this a lot in Uldir last year, where I would like come in for basically every boss and then just like end up sitting because my guy sucked. And then I'll just like run people through Mythic Plus and we just get gear that way. Right. Um, but there's like, not like a large bench, but there's like a, there's like a pool that we can like, test things out and bring people in and bring people out depending on what we need on the fight or what we can adjust. Okay. So then is that stance just going to go forward? I actually was, see, this is what the weird part that I like to squelch sort of the hearsay or the community bit, you know, back and forth because people like they'll, they'll dive your wow progress and be like, limit's got 37 people on roster right now. And when I was doing the race toward first, like that kid, what? There's no way. So did you only have, like, you said 27, 28 people in total that were part of, like, the main roster push? Or was it higher at one point, or? I think we've always just been at 27 to 28 okay. for Uldir and this team. Okay. So there wasn't anything crazy like that. So Reddit, get your facts straight, all right? Gosh, jeez. But I guess the final follow-up on all of this, too, then is that you guys have had the raid on farm for a bit and it's funny that we talked about the stormwall blockade nonsense there were there any classes or specs that you'd have rather had for progression now that you didn't you know that good old hindsight kind of deal now granted thd might want to bring up demonology warlocks but unless you're really lucky none of you play demonology on progression though really right because you didn't have the right trait pieces and stuff oh wasn't no, about oh, I, traits. I had the traits oh they were there the so, traits were there i i could have uh, done 5k more single target than anyone in the raid mm. so then what what led you to not doing that then we just no one knew hmm. warlocks were not very smart apparently <laughs> oh. we didn't know it's funny if you look at Warcraft Logs aggregate statistic data right now on how whoopsie that Azerite trait situation is for demonology right now. That's I'm waiting for Ian to come back on and just nerf demonology again because they want you to play it. 
just for something ridiculous again. It's really, really silly. It's fun, though. I've heard. It's fun. Yeah, you have bloodlust the entire fight. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Pretty and good. And it's uh, 100% uptime. Uh, you just you, you beat everyone on the meter, even if you're like 10 item levels lower. Sick. Yeah. A caster having the one-second GCD, I've heard, is pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. But it's a weird one. Was there any other classes or specs that came up, though? I don't know. Atlas, you weren't able to do DK for it. So what would... Was there anything you guys would have rather splashed? Well, Mage ended now? up being good. Yeah. Um, in the end. Not for but the immunities, actually, though. Yeah, so we... we Like I said, we stacked four mages thinking they're going to be good for this, this, and that. I think now... You should totally bring mages to Jaina. But again, that wasn't something we kind of realized. Right. So we geared up all these mages, then decided they weren't good. And then they ended up being good. But that's like, in retrospect, now you see their last phase damage and they're one of the top classes. So they are. But another important part, and this was kind of similar to Goon, where um, you start, you might start progressing on goon and you're in p1 the class that seems really really strong in p1 is not going to be the class that's going to be strong for the whole fight like for example a moon can will easily top damage in p1 but the most important part of the fight is the last phase and moon can aren't as good as other classes in the last phase sure so when you're progressing to make p1 easier of course you're going to bring a bunch of moon can and like rogues to silence all the things and all that stuff is the exact same for Jaina. You want to bring classes that are better in P1 and P2. Classes that were good in P2 were pretty much just melee that did good single target because the range had to move so much and all this stuff. So it turned out, you know, rogue, ret, those are like the best classes in P2. Um, if you were to keep that going forward and just had a comp of rogues and rets in the last phase, it probably would have worked out. But it's just to illustrate that the classes that are good change through each phase that you're working. And that, that'll be like that on every fight. But so if... when, so obviously there's bosses where the last phase isn't the most important, crazy thing. Usually it is, but say it isn't where you don't need to push execute really a lot. You know, you just need a class that's good for the whole fight. It depends, but on both goon and Jane, once you got the rest of the fight kind of down pat, it was mm -hmm. purely a last phase boss, obviously. Right. So you would have had to known or that Fire Mage was going to be really, really strong while you're working on the fight and just kind of drag them along because their damage in P2 would be really, you know? Yeah. It's the same thing on Goon. Mages were, were bad and they weren't even playing Fire until they realized that, you know, execute damage that's the most important thing we're going to swap to it and just kind of, like i said get dragged along the rest of the fight but you can't do that on pull one that, that would be stupid to be on pull one like that max bring up kill jaden in chat right here too which is a weird one because kill jaden was a hot topic boss a lot during the discussion on the caster desk uh from the red bull gaming sphere for the race to world first coverage because that is still outside of like vanilla classic bosses the longest standing end game raid encounter, I think, of any expansion right now. Over it was full two full resets with 
just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of polls compared to stuff in in recent times. That was the one weirdest one because of how much just flippant RNG was there mostly. But it's it's weird. We we compared and contrasted Jaina a lot to kill Jaden to compare like a really boss that you can control like myth mythic uh, Gul'dan Illidan came into account as well a boss you can really control versus kill Jaden which is just also we talked about the intermissions on Jaina being way better to a degree versus the the garbage on kill Jaden as well so well there's a lot of variation on Jaina that was incredibly frustrating to do progression on as well like I had a very very colorful tweet about the ice falls because uh, that mechanic yeah. to this day just enrages me like beyond belief uh, we would have like probably a fourth of our polls in phase two while we were working on like getting to the last phase just get completely ruined by like one arrow going across the room that you can't even see because it spawns during like the blizzard going off you have no idea where it's coming or like, you have one barrel that you have to go towards, and then the arrow's literally on top of the barrel, cutting you off, so you can't even go that way anyways. So there's, like, a lot of learning in, in that regard with Ice Falls, let alone the last phase, where it's, like, there's this ridiculous healing requirement and damage check where everybody has to plant and basically just tunnel the boss, and then, you know, you get two Ice Falls cutting you off on top of the boss, and everybody has to move. You just instantly die, like, right there. It's, like, that that was really frustrating, honestly. Um, mm. the rest of the fight was good though. Yep. I think, I think a lot of people really enjoyed the encounter overall. It actually has some proprietary, if you haven't seen one of the, uh, the graphic effect artists that's actually involved with curating all the stuff for Jaina, all those original first time in World of Warcraft effects. The fight is spectacular to, to watch and look at. Very cinematic, very fun. So I'm glad it lived up to the hype. It's just still weird that she still fell within a reset. But then again, that goes back to what Tags was saying earlier in the show about just tuning. So, but I think I would like to get to the Ithic Jaina video and the commentary therein. So my guests can take a, a quick break away while I jibber jab about a few different things here and do a couple of shout outs for, for my mid section of the show. And then we'll come back and we will watch the, the commentary there. So, again, today's show is brought to you in part and made possible by the amazing folks over at Wowhead, right down there, and of course, right over here. If you ever need to find anything out about World of Warcraft, look anything up, find out about what the heck's going on each week during the resets, where the warfronts are at, then go check out Wowhead as well. The All the class guides keep evolving. I actually know a handful of the guide writers that do work back and forth on a bunch of different specs and they're gonna keep everything updated of course when the heart of azeroth changes when the heart of azeroth gets like its own little you know artifact style talent tree we'll see how the game evolves from there azerite system of course really important things like how there is a new ptr world quest in testing where you're the crab killing the turtles because that's a thing that's a good one obviously the next raid coming out with the crucible of storms PTR coverage going on there, and of course the MDI information all coming out right now too. For those that are really interested in the Mythic Dungeon Invitational, go check out Wowhead. And again, of course, thank you very much to these special nerds and very more. They are helping the show out in a very awesome way to make sure that I can keep doing this. This is the February patrons at the tiers above. And of course, you get a whole bunch of extra shows 
behind the scenes. There'll be an after show for this show over on the show's Patreon page linked down below. But if you ever need anything else from what I do here and the coverage and any of the links and information, that's over on just finalboss.tv. Super easy to remember. It's quite literally my name and the branding on the show, even though my big dumb face is right there. But the YouTube version of the show as well, that goes up and archive. But if you do want to listen to the shows, just MP3 audio only, you can just look up Final Boss TV on iTunes, Google Play Music. I believe Stitcher Radio may have been changed. And if you hit me up on Twitter, I can give you the RSS feed directly if you have a different type of audio device if you want to go back and listen to all the previous ones because all the shows do go audio only also and the patreon bts podcast also go audio only there is an rss feed there you can plug in so you can do all that thank you very much for the support keep them going we've been going since mr pandaria on this and if you haven't heard yet every single spec at least the goal every single specialization in world of warcraft during battle for azeroth will have its own show this time around so those start next Sunday, and depending on schedules, there might have to be like a one Sunday break, and then we'll start doing all of them, take like the rest of the year to do them, but we're going to do Rogue, Mage, Warlock, and Hunter, one spec of each, and then sort of rotate through all the rest of them, then do Rogue, Mage, Hunter, Warlock again, kind of like as the, the beginning, middle, and end, because they have three each, so the pure DPS classes, and we'll sort of update as we go along. So that's sort of where the ship is sailing. But that's enough for me. I've got the Watch Together link popped up here let me see if you guys are back all right you ready to do some commentary i was told thd wants to do this for the most part are you ready for this sir you sure yeah i was yeah uh, we gotta, I, was I was born ready to say something oh uh, two of us weren't in for Jana. yeah that's mm-hmm oh there oh uh, that's yeah. <laughs> It's facing the wrong way, but you get yeah, it. Yeah, on the on the screen, it's below you into your uh, bottom right. Yeah, yeah. I was there for sixty six percent of Jaina until you know I got sabotaged. Well, anyone can pause and break this up, and we'll go through it all. Let me make sure my audio is good on this one, and we're gonna be watching the the nine nine. It's interesting, uh, Max brought it up in chat too, and I, I prefaced the show with this. This is still, it was the world's second kill, the whole world third thing, not making anyone mad. It's kind of a weak meme. It's funny, like when it happened live when I was in London, but come on. So let's play this here. Anyone can pause and go back and forth if you want to do any crazy shoutouts or things that you organized or whatever, but THD, if you want to take us away here, I mean, I think I have to, I have to start it and then maximize it. No. Come on. This thing is so janky. It'll work. Maybe. There it goes. Goodness gracious. But what did um, to start us off with here was there a different atmosphere going into Mythic Jaina versus Gahoon? Because you guys uh, are pushing. Kind of. Yeah. Gahoon was a lot more serious I feel like in the beginning. Uh, a lot with like a lot of optimizations where we went to Jaina and we were just kind of like riding the high of like Stormwall blockade. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Going down. This this first phase was like full of memory for us. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Especially her frontal cone. I'd like to 
give myself credit where credit's due, but I coined one of the calls for the funnel cone as a surprise. That caught on real quick. Because uh, there's a few times where like it lines up where she does that funnel cone right there with the giant circle and the lance. And uh, it's during the blizzard, so you like see like all the range just like running straight at the boss because they can't see anything. And then I would just say, like, you know, surprise. And then half of them would get knocked across the room and lose like all their HP. So that one's stuck. Uh, I noticed you guys didn't mind control. Uh, we do. Uh, the ads, the way that they work is they'll spawn, they'll like instantly drop a bomb. So they stun the first cast uh, so the bomb doesn't show up. And then while they have a fixate, they can't be mind controlled. So you kind of have to just wait out the, the fixate. Um, you could obviously do it quicker, but. They do get mind controlled and flung off the edge. Okay. Uh, there's a couple parts of the video I think where you can see that. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't net you anything to do it quicker rather than slower. Like they they cast the first barrel right away, and then they cast the second one in thirty seconds. So as long as you stop the first barrel, there's no rush to getting them off the edge. Okay. And I think because we didn't have any healer priests, the DPS priests just did it whenever it was convenient for them. Whereas, like a healer, they can just do it whenever because there wasn't right. much to heal in this phase. Okay. It was it was also a comp thing. Like we didn't want the shadow priest stopping what they were doing when they didn't need it at the moment. Yeah, I was the bomb boy in this phase. Yeah, we had designated bomb men. That was THD. We had Sang calling out ships. Dosu calling out ballistas. I was calling out strictly surprises. Uh, lip was falling down. The, the, the explosives falling from the sky. Yeah. Just called them hot. So every time there's barrels near us, we just go hot, hot, hot. Uh, other than that, really, there wasn't anything of use being said. It was just dudes hanging out being dudes. Just guys being dudes. Yeah. Yeah, this phase is like... Kind of cool, but at times you'd have all the cannons on fire and it turned into hell on oh, earth. Yeah. It was just like, what do we do? Now, going through this, yeah, I think Method called this the sort of the action movie phase because sometimes things didn't overlap in a really bad way. Other times it would, which was different pull to pull. Is that, is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes she would delay her avalanche casts and it would line up during blizzards. So you're basically running out into complete darkness while two other people have the circles chasing them too. And then you just like run into each other and mow each other down. But, um, it, it, it happened sometimes. It started feeling like it was more consistent in later pulls, but it was still like a thing. Uh, we assigned like Devo while Tags was in and a rally to it on that specific one just in case. But... It was more like a reps thing. Like once people had a few more pulls in it, you stop seeing people running each other over as much. Right. But it was definitely fun the first time because you just run out to the darkness and three people would just converge on one spot and get rolled. Um, the coolest thing about how we did this fight, though, is probably this, the intermission. So we had a very dynamic setup of how we did this. We had a fast and a slow side. Oh. We basically just put fast classes that were good at running by and mowing down those ads on one side, and then Sang would use track humanoids, tell where Jaina is, and depending on which like exact location she was at, we would split up the fast and the slow sides. Um, on our pull, she ended up just being the very closest left, so we just all went right 
and uh, you can see like the slow group kind of sticking behind and finishing stuff while the fast group just like plows ahead. So you didn't split. You're all just sort of together, though. Like uh, literally, just just for this specific well, yeah, that, scenario. That the, oh, that was the exact same. As nothing, first on the she... left, it's bad. So method had set left and right sides, and right. we had fast and slow sides. I think huh. the difference between them and us, though, is they didn't have a dynamic left and right side. They just yeah. had exactly. a, a set like these people are always going left, these people are always going right. Ours depended on which location Jaina teleported to. So, for example, if she was third on the right, that means that the slow side would go to the right and the fast side would go to the left because the fast side has more ads and they're better suited with dealing with more ads. Um, okay. and she could teleport somewhere else, obviously, and then we just dynamically change that depending on Sang's call out of where she was. The other thing here that we're doing right now is that we did different than method is they they would do a big run between barrels. So usually there's uh well obviously there's three. Um, we would pretty much always go the same direction around the circle, whereas like you know left to right all the way around the circle, back to the wall. Uh, what Method did was they would do the first barrel and then they'd run across the room completely for the second barrel to do the one that's furthest from the wall so that they would always end on the barrel next to the wall. Um, both kind of don't really have much of a difference in how basically both, in both ways you have to do a larger move across the room. Oftentimes we would do it at the end when we're running up to the wall to DPS it with the way that method did it, they would always do it on the second one. Huh. The, the so part's coming up. I, either oh, yeah. way, you have to do a big move, and we were essentially just delaying our big move until the end of the phase rather than, um, you know, and, and it made sense too because we weren't lusting the wall. Right. Uh, whereas method was. This part right here is the coolest pay attention part of the to our entire warrior. video. Yeah. The POV. Right here. Oh, yeah. It was very cool. So this ice falls coming. He just goes yoink right through it. That was sick. His butthole had to be puckered so tight. Now, is that between the casting animation it looked like too? We have to go back and look at that. I can't rewind with my region, so. But... You can do it after. Yeah. Well, here I can. Oh, it yoink. was launching already. When yoink! Yoink! There, yeah. Wait, where? Where is it? Yoink! I think this is it. Yeah, this is it. Just before, yeah. The thing was already dropping, but he just kind of like squeezed his way through it at the opportune time. Oh, and there it is. Oh! <laughs> Which would have been close. real bad for the last phase, because then we'd have to waste the Yeah. Would have been a dead man. And see, this is the part where the ice falls get really annoying. It's That thing just fell off and cut you, you across the entire room. Yeah. And you are forced to run through the barrel back around, basically, before it blows up. Because right. otherwise your raid has to walk through all the ice and then grab more stacks again. That one's this not that not bad. Ice. That's like a mild inconvenience. But other times it was way worse. Like, it could be during this blizzard and you have an arrow drop on your head and you have no idea where it's coming from. Yeah, this ice fall, you just hope and pray. Because you, you have nothing you can do here unless it spawns right on top of you. And you well, can this, see it. the ice fall doesn't go to the wall anymore i think that was a slight nerf i believe because i said this in the day on heroic i don't know if it's the same thing on mythic but it doesn't spawn to the wall 
But there's like a patch uh, where yeah, it doesn't well, go. We that at some point. Yeah. We, we had to deal with that once. We were literally just DPSing the wall and it drops smack center on the wall and froze. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was really unfortunate. But they, yeah, they just have the last patch not spawned. They can yeah. still point right at the wall. This is correct. This is the main difference here between ours and Method Strat, though. Yeah. We should probably rewind it. this and pause it for like. We just pause it. Sure. Yeah. Um, right here, actually, this is like the obviously with the wall is where methods we start to deviate, where they lust the wall, do as much damage to Jaina as they can, uh -huh. you know, get her to 27. Um, when they push up the ramp here, they still have lust. So it makes sense that they can just burn Nathanos. Um, we actually wait on Nathanos, so our cooldowns line up a little bit better. Everyone can drop their stacks. Um, obviously, if you kill them fast enough, you also drop your stacks. But basically, with the stack dropping thing, is you have to kill him at a certain point on your debuff duration. Um, it's changed now, so I'm not sure exactly what it is anymore. It's between six to four seconds, I believe. Something like that, yeah. So... Um, we basically were doing that on the second stack, and they did it on the first stack. So they just burn him as fast as possible, get him within that window, and kill him right away. We wait, and, you know, instead of... And it really amounts to no difference, aside from, like, the non-trolls, like the Rhett and the Demon Hunters. They'll get an extra stack. That's about it, though. But and so for us, what we did with Lost is also way different as yeah. well. So what um, we did is... We well, they lusted the wall and just used that extra damage that they would have on the wall and just hit the boss. So they like milled like three percent off the boss while also hitting the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't lust the wall, we just beat the hell out of the wall basically. And then <clears throat> we have a desync lust on Dosu, and he's his lust is desync from the rest of the raids. And what he's going to do is similar to what Method did, is he goes solo, kicks the boss when Nathanos is out, and then. The boss detects that he has he's gonna lust himself basically while the rest of the, the raid has sated. Um and then since the boss detects that he has lust, she goes instantly into an ice block out of the phase. We spend that time in the 20 seconds that she's ice blocked, moving across the room and setting up positioning. And then right as she's coming out of that block, everybody else's lust will be back up. Or the sated debuff will be gone, rather. So then we lust right before she comes out of that block for the entire raid so you get virtually a 39 second lust on 19 people and she has a one minute icd on her ability to block your lust right so she, she can't go back into a block so we valued that more in having like a full lust basically on the entire raid while we were hitting her that's it's interesting that you that that the strat deviated so much too because you would think that with that and you can we can roll this and keep going forward because what I was wondering about is how how much more DPS that would have been to do essentially what is now the strat with Jaina, which is the burn strat because you don't kill the, the tide elemental just because why not? It's just well we toyed around with that, that guy has so much health, man. right? Um, like we did try killing it a couple times. I remember. Like within the first two pulls we got there, that was one of the very first things I like tried bringing up was just like, what if you just ignore it? Because that it has like forty percent of the boss's health in the last phase. She dies at five point five, and that thing has a bunch of HP. It also splits in two, and then it doubles yep. the mechanics. Like realistically speaking, there's no benefit to doing the elemental the way 
it was intended, which is just killing it, unless she's on a block the entire time. But then you're wasting your lust, basically burning the elemental, and then you have to somehow figure out how to clear stacks in the last phase. And realistically, healing up to 20 is not going to work. Standing in an ice fall is risky, and the eight seconds it takes for a lance to shoot while you're in a block is a really large damage requirement to be able to break those people out quick enough. So the burn really was like the only real way to go about it. So yeah. the I... reason though that it was deviated so much is uh, on the first week, I, I know I had written about this, that it was not possible for us. And I cited some high level stuff and it was probably not exactly accurate. Um, but we had slightly less gear than method basically on the Monday that they killed it. We had a little bit less gear. You did. You did. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. But the big thing was the priests like method killed this boss the first week with the burn. We could not have copied their strat and done it. It wouldn't have been possible. Hmm. However, we could, we could have killed it the first week doing this lust strat, but basically the difference between our strat and theirs very simply put is ours required more healing and theirs required more damage right okay that that's the crux of the difference now there's arguments for both strats and obviously when you require more healing it might require more coordination or it's more dangerous you know you might you might be a mechanic might be more lethal than the alternative um you know because everyone's lower health so this thing that you could maybe live through is gonna want you so oftentimes the more the requires more damage strat is better right but we we thought and maybe we were wrong it's very hard to know but we thought at the time it wasn't going to be possible for us to do it that way with that burn um and so we came up with this lust thing so that's why it's so vastly different but when you break it down it's really just that ours requires more healing there's requires more damage. The reason that they didn't do it and they knew about the lust strat, they could have done it and they would have obliterated the boss with their damage. Um, however, the reason they didn't do it is because it really requires a lot more healing, just flat out. It, uh, I think the number is that it requires like 80,000 more HPS across your whole raid, um, just flat out. Like the whole phase requires that much more because uh, that's, all it is is two extra stacks, but that's what two extra stacks is. Two stacks in the whole raid. It's 80,000 HPS roughly, or damage taken per second roughly. So, I mean, that's uh, that's obviously so a lot. I w to, to make sure everyone's on the same page with, with understanding why does your strat take more healing? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, when we block the boss, we're still gaining stacks there. Right. So the way that the boss works is they delay all like when she ice blocks, she delays everything. So when she gets out of that ice block, we are seeing the exact same fight that method does doing the other strat, except we have two stacks from waiting. That's it. So we, we go in there with two extra stacks, which is a lot in the end. Cause when you're ending the fight, they end at 14, 15 stacks. We end at 17, 18. That's a big difference. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like how long we have in the phase, Essentially, the Enrage Timer is the second Frost Orb. Um, so that timing is the exact same, regardless of strat. You get like a minute 30 in that phase. That's the burn. You have to do it in a minute 30. So we're we're lusting and they're not. So clearly, it's going to be more damage. We still both have a minute 30. 
we're both going to die when that second frost orb goes off. Right. Um, but all the while, yes, we're getting that lust, but the trade-off is that we're taking way more damage. Right. Um, and, you know, may maybe priests wouldn't have been good in that sort of situation. I don't know. Because basically what they were doing was they were DPSing a ton for the first half the phase, whereas with ours, the damage ramps up much sooner. So, you know, maybe this priest wouldn't have been as good with our strat, but clearly they are like a crux of what method needed. I didn't damage. notice because you didn't lust the wall. That also means that you probably did was the entire raid attacking the glacial wall. Then you didn't have any DPS that were splitting off to actually work had, Janus health down. We dotted her as a little bit, but, dots, but no focusing. Yeah. Okay. Cause you probably, without lusting the wall because there's the two strats that are developed here which is these are the parts that are interesting to break down these these minor differences which set apart strategies these are the fun parts is do you lust the wall do you put because she can't block when she's doing that ability right when she's doing the creeping ice so that's why you have like you can set aside multiple dps usually hunters and warlocks depending on shadow priests to to work down a few extra percent on Jaina when it's all said and done with while you have the rest of the DPS work the ice wall down or the total opposite of that, which is saving lust entirely. I wonder which strat will become more popular as more guilds get there with gear because this is a fight that is definitely not made for 400 eye level at all. Most end bosses are not. I think the annoying part of it too is just like the way that we do it. It just takes a lot of setup before you even pull the boss, so it's going to be an inconvenience for other people to do. Yeah, it. how do you, you have to? You have to desync lost on one person. Then you have to wait two minutes. Then you have to wait for the proper time to pull. So you're wasting a bunch of time in between pulls. Oh anyways. yeah. And then sometimes the boss doesn't block. Yeah, it, it. She also just straight up doesn't block. Sometimes she doesn't detect the loss, and then she'll just fuck you. So uh, definitely don't do it the way. Oh, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't do it it's this way. It's not recommended, no. And, <laughs> in fact, we haven't pulled Jaina yet, but we're probably going to do the the lust on the wall strat as everything. Yeah. It's just, like I said, we the when we killed the boss, we needed, you know, obviously we killed it with one person a lot. We didn't need to do that. Like, someone cleaved the raid with something at the end there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, that was, like, the only way we were going to really kill it. But... Obviously, now everyone has way more gear. You don't need that. And we wouldn't recommend it because that bug that still happens, that kind of sucks. Basically, like, throw away half of, or not half, maybe like a third of your last phase pulls. Right. She just wouldn't block. When Dosu would be standing in front of her with lust on him, she just wouldn't block. And we'd wipe. That's what... She'd, she'd block later, but... There was some weird bug going on where she just wouldn't block about a third of the time. And I, mm. Method knew about that as well. And they couldn't figure out what it was. Like, you know, what's the trigger of her not blocking? We couldn't figure it out either. And we, they, they only looked at that a little bit. We looked at that for the whole week. We were, you know, at the end of the week, we were trying that strat. So that happened to us a dozen, two dozen times. And we still couldn't figure out why was happening so that kind of sucked but again that was that was the way that we had to kill the boss so we stuck with it but would not recommend that strategy unless you're gonna five heal i know there's been a guild that five healed the boss oh and that might be the future um it depends obviously depends on your guild if you have 
stronger healers, maybe not if you have stronger DPS, you know, who knows, but um, you can five heal that boss. And if you're five healing, maybe the lust strategy comes back into play because the, the rough part about that strat is you take more damage, but if you're adding a healer, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. But I think in terms of just what guilds are going to do in the future, you know, when they're killing the boss with 459 level, I think it's going to be a five heal boss and they're going to use method strat and that's it. What'd you say, THD? You had something else to... I, I think that the, uh, the thing that made this strat a little bit more appealing beforehand was when she would skip frozen orbs. Yeah. She would... You, you would block her and for some reason when she came out of the block it would just delay all her abilities but it would skip over frozen orb but uh when we tried the lust thing that was what was happening and then you came in the next day and she was doing frozen orb after the ice block well yeah that was a deliberate change by blizzard um essentially the night before we were working on all these different timings right of like and this was when we were trying to break people out. I think it was Sunday night we weren't trying to burn. We were trying just about everything else. So what we were doing was we were blocking the boss at the start of the phase, as we did in our eventual kill, but we were doing it for a different reason. We were actually breaking out ice blocks during that time, um, believe it or not. But the what we noticed was then, like THG said, she skipped abilities. So then we got thinking, like, you know, maybe this is how they intended the fight. You get one ice block in the phase and, you know, skip whatever abilities you don't want. You know, it is, that's a very common trope in bosses. Like, for example, Lation, you were able to disable an ability. So it was up to you to pick which ability you didn't want, right? And it had to do with which ones lined up bad for a combo or whatever you just didn't want to deal with that ability so that seems like it was intended where yeah if you if there's a wombo combo in the last phase maybe that's when you ice block the boss and break out a bunch of ice blocks that seems like maybe what they wanted the boss to look like because i mean obviously they didn't want the boss to look like this where you just burn it they wanted yeah. you to do the mechanics so what we started doing though was we started lusting twice in the last phase and blocking her twice um and what we figured out was frost orb was probably the best one to skip so we planned on skipping the first and second frost orbs um, because frost orb gives the whole raid at least two stacks mm. so when you're waiting there the ice block is 20 seconds that's two stacks the waiting outweighs the frost orb so to us it was like well that's a free ice block you're right. avoiding two stacks by waiting and gaining two stacks. It's free. It's an interesting... So that's why we went down that route. But I think the problem arose when you started blocking her twice. We started blocking her twice. Maybe Blizzard didn't want that. And they, they changed how it worked the next day. Where now it doesn't skip, it delays. So, well, I have to bring up the devil's advocate thing here on... And there are some, like, jokey comments in chat about this encounter... And talking on the desk too with other casters when we were watching all of this stuff that Method was doing because we don't get all the feed we have to kind of like decipher and wait and then talk to someone usually like the next day or after the broadcast is that for whatever reason the the intended look of the encounter was to go usually ads take priority over bosses right if a boss spawns ads those are way more scary than the boss you break off 
kill, deal with the ads, CC, whatever, crowd control, burst them down, alien them down, whatever, right? Almost any every boss, history of World of Warcraft, adds over the actual main encounter boss. But ignoring the mythic mechanic of the tide elemental and the fact that it splits just seems like such an awkward oversight or undersight, depending on how Blizzard wanted the parabola to work out, where why wasn't there just a when Tide Elemental is up, Jaina takes like no damage. So you have to do that mechanic. Because I can't imagine that the strats that you've worked out with the multiple ice blocking her, which is pretty genius to figure out like with the timings and all that kind of stuff, and play with that lust equals ice block first time we've ever seen that kind of mechanic. But to to do this timed burned last phase crescendo ignoring huge parts of a fight. I don't know if that's just a strat that is able to be done and that's now okay. But obviously we've seen things that we've done with Stormwall Blockade as a raiding community that you guys figured out, that Method figured out, that they've tried to fix and not have be a thing. So I don't well, I don't know. The the problem with that that last phase and why it's so degenerate and you just burn her isn't the elemental itself. Like the elemental itself is an inconvenience that exaggerates a larger problem where the debuff just that thing just puts you in the dirt like, right. once it hits a certain amount of stacks. And the Tide Mental gives you stacks because it puts Heart of Frost on people. Right. And it it was supposed to do the Nova thing, but yep. you know, it didn't, and then it did, and then it didn't again. But like the the main two issues of why that last phase ended up just being a burn is one, the debuff is just realistically unhealable once you go to 20 stacks, drop, reset somehow, and then have to do it again. Um, it just requires way too much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Resources to try and heal everybody up to 20. Right. So then you have to like figure out a way to like break the ice blocks. That's the second problem. The ice blocks have 1.4, 1. something million health. It doesn't matter the exact number, but all you need to know is you have eight seconds to break that person out of an ice block before a lance shoots in a trajectory towards the ice block, which would be fine if it stopped at the ice block. But it also pierces through, goes in a straight line. So at any given moment, you have all these different vectors of like a ice lance shooting through that will pretty much one-shot you if you ever get hit. So then you have to figure out a way of, one, breaking out ice blocks that have too much health, realistically. You could break them out if you stack classes that could do it. Like we went in there thinking we we're going to do double DHDK, Rep Paladin, to break people out. And that was like one of our strats was getting 10 people blocked at once, breaking all of them. But then you have to Heard deal with about the fact that, that yeah. Then you have to deal with the fact that there's 10 ice lances going in all different directions, and you have to dodge every single one of those coming out of the blocks while also dealing with the debuff that's ticking you for a third of your HP every second. It's right. It's just too complicated and too unreliable to realistically sit there and be like, yeah, you could do that. Like, you could, but, like, the chance of that happening is so low that you shouldn't commit to it. So... Anything else you want to wrap up with Mythic Jada? Because I want to sort of switch gears a little bit for the last question of the show. And if Chad, if you have anything that you want to ask the guys from Limit that are here on the show today, just toss it in and we can sort of weave it in because we only have so much more time. But I have sort of a very gear shifting question. But I mean, THD, anything else to comment on Mythic Jada? Yeah, it's a cool fight, but uh, could have been better. Hmm. Yeah, same. I think if <laughs> oh. you if you couldn't burn the boss, that fight would be so hard. And I think both guilds competing would have preferred a harder boss. 
Right. You always want a more challenging thing, I think. It's a Rubik's um, Cube. But if, yeah, if the burn straps, if there was some mechanism that made it not possible, maybe she had more health, maybe, like you said, the Tide Ellie had some, some debuff prevented her from taking damage, something like that. That fight would have been so impossibly hard. Like the last phase, if you had to do it legitimately, is insane. It would have been harder than Kill Jaden for sure. I think it would have been the hardest boss ever. It's like one or two little things away, and that's just, these are these are bits that I've heard echoed as well. So it was still a great boss, even with that. Still a really good boss, but yeah, it was it was one tiny thing away from being the hardest ever. For yeah, but. I think we're all good because I wanted to bring up a question that I titled here playing spoiler. So I've sort of sprinkled this into the show here and there because that's how it is actually working in World of Warcraft right now and in Battle for Azeroth because there are no old gods in Battle for Azeroth until there will be old gods in like a month, maybe five, four, five, six weeks, something like that when the Crucible of Storms comes out. This is a new two boss mini raid that's on the horizon. And there, there's a few different things I want to unpack here real quick, sort of as the, the tail end of the show here, is there is still Blizzard's stance on a ununified, right? There's not a completely worldwide launch. Now, the, the Asian realms have like different localizations and things. They may not be able to go on the same token, but NAEU, where most of all this stuff happens, where most of all of the the, the, the hype and the push comes from, there's still no rate on lock time frame that's, that's unilateral across the board for you guys. And it's very possible that Unot, the Harbinger of the Void, which is the end boss, and the Crucible of Storms, who actually looks pretty badass, uh, could fall before the EU realms even come up. Because it's only two bosses. And again, same eye level tier we're currently at. So... Obviously, I would I would assume limits going for world first on this and is going to keep pushing, right? That's not changing. Um, I don't know if we can go as hard on this next raid, but we're definitely trying to do as much as we can. So sure, we could do like one or two day raids, right? Yeah, like we'll we're trying as much as we can, but we're probably not going to take off as much time as we did for this. Year. Um. The other thing is, I think this raid will probably take longer, similar mm. to Trial of Valor, because the tuning, and we I, may have been in pre-show that we brought this, the tuning is much easier for Blizzard to do, now, yeah. because they know exactly how much gear people are going to have. Right. You know, they, they know for a fact, and usually I feel like their tuning is hit or miss. It was good for Helia, so I assume it'll be good for this boss. And really, the only time... That that whole kill it before EU even wakes up thing has even happened was like eight years ago for Ruby Sanctum. I was I was like it. Right. Well, you see, you brought up Helia. That was a three day, three boss raid, and this is two bosses. And yes, Blizzard can definitely Blizzard can essentially well, over tune Unot to just be stupid, right? I don't totally know if the possible. number of bosses matters though. Okay. Because like the first two bosses in TOE died in a few hours sure there hasn't so. been a secret phase in a while 
<laughs> I think uh, the one the one kind of weird difference is in this we'll have 48 traits, so we'll have the 420 item level on all the Azerite armor, and we'll have obviously like probably like 415, 420 item level on just all about all our gear, right? And on Helia, you were still gaining artifact power. You were still leveling up your weapon. You were still getting that 5% damage boost. You were reaching those 35th traits, which was massive. Yeah. And then you were still gaining power. But now we're like at this point where we're all going to be capped at this point of 48 traits and about 420 atom level. And if they do make the boss incredibly difficult, I don't, there will be like no sense of like gear progression after you kill the boss to make it easier. I don't know... Uh, what they'll do about that well their yeah, their their hook is that all the gear is that affixed loot all those on uh, equip effects right across the board kind of like mini legendaries um i guess in, in this case that's what we would have if you haven't seen all the loot that's from crystal storms there is some interesting stuff that could be that's gonna be how the gear progression would work is getting more of those effects but there's definitely no <laughs> eye level yeah the problem with the gear is it has like trade-offs like uh if you get sure. like less secondary stats as well or like some don't even have primary stat on them but they have like these other effects so it's like maybe it balances out in a way right so i'm not really sure uh how they're gonna handle that because i think in uh the difference between en and like tov was like the item level cap didn't go up from en to tov but the bosses dropped higher loot like i think they dropped 890 and 895 and en dropped 880 if I can remember, uh, I think that that was what they dropped, right? So, yeah, think, in this raid, it's a bit different. It's an interesting raid for sure because if like if the, if the first boss just goes down immediately and then Unat lasts like a whole reset or something ridiculous, it'd be weird to see, but it'd be interesting. I mean, Atlas kind of hit the nail on the head. It's very possible. Maybe Unot has a crazy mythic-only Nazoth phase. You're standing right in front of one of his eyeballs. The room, which is all brand new and everything like that, it looks really cool. It's a very huge change of pace from where BFA has been going so far. We've known this is happening. We've known the old gods are going to be happening here soon. So I like the noise the eyeball makes. <laughs> it makes a very squishy... Yucky noise whenever it opens and closes. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I like that. But and so this is sort of a, a tie-in to the future stuff. And some of the Wowhead crew was wondering how difficult it is or has been to develop and form a not necessarily an org that Limit wants to do. But what's the future path that Limit wants to, to curate and put together here? Because I know you don't want, you're not trying to do everything else that like the method is doing, but like what, what's the, the future trajectory that you're looking at? I don't know who has the information on this I one. I, I can sum it up in like a few words. Okay. Atlas, go for it because tags might talk like Max. Cool, smart dudes hanging out, having fun, killing bosses. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's good to know that you think I'm cool and smart, man. Really appreciate and it. And THD, the fucking uh, basement dwelling freak <laughs> that we can Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah. So it's basically that. That's like our number one priority. Um, so that's like, I think the thing that 
most importantly say about, you know, especially when people are looking at their guilds and offer our, our guild and offering their opinion. Sure. Is that we didn't, we didn't stream when we weren't going for world first. Like we, we didn't stream in the first tier we existed back in HFC and we got out of nowhere, we got world seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were not competing with method and we still weren't streaming. So the, the biggest answer to like, why don't you guys stream now that method is, is method had nothing to do with why we didn't stream, you know, that, that like them starting to stream hasn't changed our outlook on things and our opinion on why we don't stream. Um, the biggest thing is that our number one priority is like having the best environment possible, obviously doing as well as we can. And that's it. You know, um, the, I guess clout is secondary to that and that's it. That's, that's it. Period. Um, especially with, you know, obviously method has a lot of great ideas and they make the streaming thing work all the power to them. Um, but they just have different priorities than us. Okay. And also the other thing is we would have to put in a lot of work, you know, method <laughs> has put in a lot of work to get where they are right now. And, 80% of our guild has, doesn't want anything to do with that. We're, we're all raid loggers, you know? And that's the other thing. People are saying we're leaving money on the table. Yeah, we are to an extent, but like if we wanted to make it real and make it a thing, we'd have to a lot of, put a lot more effort in that most of us don't want to do. I mean, you know, it sounds lazy, but like it's, it's a hobby. It's a game. Sure. We're just gamers. So it's not as black and white as just like, hey, just turn on the streams, you know, wussies, you know, like, not like that. And <laughs> There's we been, before anyways, so. I mean, that's, that's very uh, grade school language for some of the stuff that I have read, unfortunately, that's being angled at you guys, which is just, it's the way the internet works sometimes, though, and it's just unfortunate. But I, uh, I guess we're at that point. If you have closing remarks or anything you want to soapbox about right now, how the uh, the game works. I've moved a few topics from the main notes to the BTS after show. So that'll be for, for my patrons later. We'll get a little more of that. But I don't know. How about uh, THD? You opened the show for us. Do you have anything you want to close with? Anything you want to soapbox about? This is your time. Yep. Shout out to the farm. I thought he had to sell the farm. Yeah, he sold it. So it's. Yeah, I wonder who's owning the farm now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, also, man, I, I wish I could have played Demonology on Progression. That would have been great. Maybe next year. Well, if they don't nerf it, yeah. I'll be a demonic man. I'm just leaving the camera on THD just to chat, just... Spams his uh, emotes. Okay. <laughs> just, <All right. laughs> just, <laughs> Good on that one. Tags, how about you, sir? Gotta recover from that. Yeah. Um, uh, nothing new. Just shout out to Rengaro. All the boys in Limit. Um, I wish they met my class better. It's really bad. Uh, I, I wish they made Atlas's class better. <laughs> <laughs> We're just both on the bench. Shout out to Willie B. That's about it. All right, Atlas. 
You're last up. Close your marks, soapbox, sir. What you got? Uh, game sucks bad, but it's fun when you play with friends. So shout out to my friends. Hmm. That's that's it. It's oh, very... shout out Squirtle Squad. Sorry. Ooh. I got to do that one. It's a funny one. We'll have to see when we revisit these shows in the future because we have a lot changing system-wise for Ajara. I wonder what that patch will do to the Azerite, to the way the game or some specs feel. Because that might be very transformative. I know people are talking about how basically it'll be like the last patch of the game, but it's like the soft reboot of BFA. It's, so, it's nonsense, but it's probably going to happen. We'll see. A lot of games... Make us farm more AP. Well... If you have cool things on your necklace that aren't just passive for every single DPS spec in the game, but actually are like a mini artifact. Mm. Nah, mm. just just generic stuff like uh, 1% don't. damage. THD, come on. I'm trying to be a Blizzard developer, so that's pretty... Uh, I'm spot on there. Come on. I don't like that. Well, I'm going to hit this button over here and, and wrap us out. So... Thank you all very much for tuning in to episode number 180 today. Talking with Limit about the world second. It's world second, all right? You can meme, world third, whatever. It's a super weak meme. All right, it's just dough. It's not baked. It's not made into toast. It's not double baked. Nothing. You can do better than that, chat. All right? Jeez. Goodness. But my name was Adam K, a.k.a. Bay. Shout out again to the great folks over at Wowhead for help putting the show on today. And, of course, keep up with all the coverage in World of Warcraft in so many facets. Just unbelievable go back around the horn again you can go follow atlas at atlas xo and his little underscore there on twitch and you can watch him i guess tank because you're not dpsing right now oh i'm not even playing the game right now because it's cool well that's but true i log in whenever i can and i do things when i can but yeah <laughs> thank you for your time today sir i appreciate it mm -hmm. and there's Thanks tags who doesn't tweet, but he doesn't have a Twitch, so I guess you can I go... I do have a Twitch. I stream. No, you don't. I was I not given... I was not giving your Twitch, it's so... It's a very undercover stream. He streams the best RBG content available. Oh, no. I stream, oh, like, no. once every two weeks, but you gotta be... You gotta be on the lookout for it. Hmm. Because I do stream. Well... Very exclusive five-year... Occasionally six. You can go not follow him on Twitter and find out when he streams on Twitch, then. That works. Yeah, follow my Twitch channel if you want to see the best RVGs <laughs> the North American scene can offer. Oh no. Appreciate you coming back on again, sir, though. Thank you for your time. And then there's THD, who he's same name on Twitch, and you can go spam his face in his chat while he shoots chaos bolts, I guess, right now, or summons demons. I don't know. Do you play oh. anything else besides Warlock? Oh, I play a lot of guys. Uh, my favorite ult is probably TH Demon. He's like a real demon, though. You don't want him in your raid, but he's a demon hunter. You got THD Priest. I hate THD Mage the most. That class, man, it's like Frostbolt Simulator. It's really bad. Well, but, play uh, Fire Mage, then. Well, that's just Fireball Simulator. No, it's too good. His brain's not big enough for that spec. Oh... I'm sorry. And then the other one is just Arcane Blast Simulator, literally. Hey. So, uh, Terrible. I, uh, I mean, it's it, it it's a two-button spec, man. I, every time I play my mage, man, I'm just... I don't want to play the game when I play the mage. That's too bad. But thank you very much for tuning in again today. Next week, 
uh, stay on Final Boss TV on Twitter because I may or may not, depending on schedules, but we're going to start booting up all of the spec shows. We still have the couple of community things sprinkled in and out there. And of course, we might have one if they if depending on Crucible Storms in four or five weeks, if we have to do a show about that, we'll we'll see. But thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening and uh, get to 50 on your necklace. Then you can stop grinding AP. There you go, because it caps at 50. The more you know. But thank you very much for watching again, and we'll see you all here next week. Hopefully. <gasps> bye. Uh, wave. Wave bye. Wave. THD, your camera's gonna lag, so it's gonna it's gonna pause you and you're gonna make a gif of it. There you go. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's so oh no, what have I done? <laughs>